0: Hi, I'm Serena, and this is my co-host, Mike. And you're listening to Diapers and Deployments, Who's Got It Worse, the podcast that talks about all things military, the good, the bad, and the oh, shit. On today's episode, we're going to touch on a few of those important things you have to do when transitioning out of the military, specifically if you're retiring. Then we will talk to a retired Coast Guard member and hear how his journey panned out after 20-plus years of service. This podcast is supported by Skillmill Corporation, Helping veterans transition to the civilian workspace.
1: All right, Serena, you know I always have to ask you how your week's going.
0: Oh, this week is starting off a little hectic because with the clock is ticking to TikTok. moving. Yeah, TikTok Mayflower was here this morning. They weren't actually here in my house, but it was a virtual weird walkthrough on my phone with somebody from Mayflower. Because of COVID, they're not allowed to come into the houses. I have a mountain of boxes packed because they have to our essentials home, right? Our stuff is going into non-temporary storage because we don't have a house yet. When
1: we moved those orange stickers or blue stickers, every time we move, they use different stickers. I still find stickers on some of my stuff, which means yeah. I probably don't need it since I moved a, a long, long time ago.
0: It's funny you say that because today on the phone, the mover said, Hey, if there's visible stickers, please try to remove them off your items. And I was like, some of my stuff has like three different stickers. <laughs> I've seen ideas where people like put all the stickers in a clear ornament and that they can hang on their Christmas tree every year. So maybe I'll do that this time. I'll collect them all and then we can display them because hopefully, God willing, this is our last move.
1: Well, I paid my kids one time that I said, every sticker you find and you take off, I paid them either 10 cents or a quarter per sticker. That works good.
0: (laughs) Dang, a quarter? I would have done that. (laughs) I
1: I don't remember how much it was now, but it cost a little bit because there's a lot of stickers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every little thing.
1: There's no two ways about it. Moving sucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're like trying to decide, you know, all these things. Obviously my husband's going through the job search process and he's got his application out and, It looks like at least for one place so far, it's gone past the robot phase. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) Yeah. So he got an email from one company saying your application and resume has reached a human. So you're beyond. So that's kind of nice. But we're kind of navigating now the TRICARE issues and trying to decide what we're gonna do for VGLI and life insurance and things like that. Obviously, we kind of need to wait and see what our income is going to be like before we can make any decisions on life insurance and what we can spend. But the TRICARE issue, I have an autoimmune disorder that, you know, I have to take medicine every single day for, and I have to see doctors monthly and have infusions for my health. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure we were getting the right health care.
1: Right. And that's
0: a big thing for people when they retire. So we're moving to Kansas City for now. And Kansas City is not very close to Fort Leavenworth, and it's not very close to Whiteman Air Force Base, but it's not like the end of the world, maybe like a 40-minute drive to either place. But we have decided that we're going to try Tricare Select because I can just pick my doctor now instead of Tricare Prime, where a military facility would have to tell me who to go to. Right. So that decision's not weighing on me anymore, thankfully. And I didn't go to TAPS. I haven't looked at any of the classes that are offered for military members and their spouses. So I just kind of used Facebook groups, which I know is funny oh God. and not now. Wait a yeah.
1: minute, Serena. Now you you of all people should be going to these classes. But I say that, but then again, you are the ombudsman, so you probably know most of the information.
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, I know where to get a lot of the information. Right. And I have a lot of ombudsman friends that I can always ask. And I would never probably guide somebody to a Facebook group because half of that information is not correct. However, <laughs> oh my God. some of those women and men. Can guide you to the right place. You know, like I might not believe their answer, but if they say they got the information from this website or whatever, then I'll go and check their sources and it usually leads me to the right place. And I know Tricare just did something weird for 2021. Now you have to pay, I think it's like $25 a month or $300 a year for the service. So that's who we're going to go with. And that I feel like is a weight lifted off my shoulders, knowing that we've got that. My healthcare doesn't stop for my needs that are the most important right now. Thank God my kids are healthy and I don't have to worry too much about them.
1: Yeah, you know, the military, you can say what you want, but the health insurance is just amazing and you take it for granted. And then when you get ready to retire, all of a sudden the wheels are turning. You're like, wait a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that was kind of a thing for us. We had a conversation one night, my husband and I, a serious one, because he was saying, you know, you're sick and I just feel really bad. And we have this great medical care for you right now with the military. And I would hate for that to go away and cost us a fortune for your health when I retire. And then I had to do some research and I said, because you're retiring, we still get all this great healthcare. And I could tell he was relieved because he does love me. In fact, Whoa. <laughs> and he, yeah, he was like concerned. And I, that made me feel bad for him that he would feel like he had to do something that he didn't want to do anymore because of me and my health, but it's worked out. And thank God those 20 years of service are paying off for us in this aspect, which a lot of people don't have. And insurance is a thing to be discussed, not on this podcast right now. So <laughs>
1: Well, we will get to some of that, though. You know, we're going to bring on our next guest. We're going to bring on Tony. He was in the Coast Guard and he transitioned out. And, you know, normally we we try to format this show, Serena, you know, and we do a lot in the beginning and then have a small interview. But this this is about a 20 minute interview. But I think it's important to air the whole interview because Mm -hmm. I think he put out a lot of good information. Then after we get a chance to listen to it, me and you can talk about the interview. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, welcome to our podcast. Today we're going to talk to Tony. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, Serena just met him, I don't know, about three minutes ago. Tony's uh, retired from the Coast Guard. So I'm going to start off by just letting him tell you a little bit about himself and about his transition.
2: Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Tony. I spent about a little over 21 years active duty in the Coast Guard, enlisted, retired in 2017 as a chief boatswain's mate. Throughout my career, I've been in many different places. You know, the Coast Guard is a much smaller outfit than the rest. However, I did move around the entire Gulf of Mexico coastline all the way up to areas pushing Maryland and the Eastern Shore. Did several different kinds of jobs which is a really interesting component of the Coast Guard. I dabbled in my younger years in the law enforcement realm, and then when I got tired of carrying a gun and a bulletproof armor, I went ahead and migrated into the section of the Coast Guard where we service the aids to navigation for all the entrance channels to major ports of interest. I've had quite the experience of doing multiple different missions. I'm happy to say that there isn't one thing that I regret about it. Uh, it was an extremely rewarding career and a very culturizing career. Uh, my last tour, I was the XO of a small 170. 75-foot buoy tender out of Mobile, Alabama. Crew size was like 23 people, not a very large crew. The ship wow. was fully automated. The other interesting aspect is in the Coast Guard getting more opportunities for command-level positions than most of the other services.
1: That's why I wanted to bring that out right in the beginning. I mean, you are retired from the Coast Guard 21 years, but you had a lot of responsibility there on your last tour.
2: Without a doubt, if anybody knows anything about EXOs, uh, they're handling the budget, they're handling medical, training, supply, anything and everything associated with a military unit.
1: And the submarine force rxos are officers some of them can't handle even one of those things but anyway it's a different story All right. We're going to talk about a lot of things on diapers and deployments, but we're going to talk a little bit about transition and your transition specifically. And like I tell people, there's a ton of podcasts and transition and books and, you know, they're all written by officers and they talk about how easy it was. Right. It's not always like that for the guys who are actually doing the work. I'd like to ask if you had just three things, you know, you wished you had known prior to transitioning out of the Coast Guard, what would they be?
2: I would have to say definitely right off the top, the VA claims process. I mean, the week-long class that I took at NAS Pensacola, it was an informative class. It just wasn't a large segment of time on VA claims and the process and things that you need to know. I mean, they gave you the base fundamentals of how to calculate your percentages and things of that nature, but that was it. There was no other real information step-by-step. This is how this works. These are the things that are important for you to know. I also want to kind of say, hopefully without anybody popping fire my way, how to be honest with the VA claims process. The other thing I would say is medical, the insurance part. There was zero conversation about migrating from TRICARE Prime. I I still have TRICARE Prime now. And it's really just simply because, as I found out after the fact, that I still had some children that were in school and it was more beneficial to use Prime having children in school versus going to TRICARE Standard or TRICARE for Life. It would have been nice if some sort of representative from TRICARE would have been there. And then I'd say probably the third thing would have been life insurance same deal. You know, you go from your SGLI and then they go into VGLI and you have like a year or whatever it is to right. take that insurance on. But there was just no knowledge and those things are extremely important. You know, when you age, you start looking at statistics of enlisted guys that have arduous careers. I don't really want to put those percentages out there, but for guys that hit like warrant and did 30 years and things of that nature, you know, those statistics are pretty high on how much longer your body's going to last you after your career, and life insurance is extremely important, but there was nothing talked about that.
0: We're running into the situation now because of COVID. The class for transitioning out of the Navy is offered online, and You know, my husband's like, okay, so I'm going to have to sit in front of a computer and watch these classes. Okay. It's just like eye rolling. And I mean, I know, I understand that we can't control the pandemic and go sit in a classroom. I understand that, but I feel like this is making it worse.
2: Well, Without (laughs) a doubt. Yeah. And you know, what that requires is what you're doing now on the podcast as field data from people that went through the class. And if they actually took that field data from folks that have been through the course, then they could adjust fire and, and improve the course as well.
1: The three things you mentioned, I, you know, and you say not information, I mean, you're different on that. And I think the problem is there's too much information. It's kind of broad. No one breaks it down for you and says, hey, here's exactly what you need to do. And the reasons why you should pick life insurance versus SGLI. And I can only talk from personal experience and my opinion about life insurance. And, and someone gave me a little tip before I got out. They said, hey, get some term insurance. It's a lot cheaper when you're younger before you start telling the VA all your problems. So you're young mm-hmm. and healthy and you get that term and you know it ends when you're 65 or 70 because for me, life insurance is not about making your kids rich. It's just enough to bury you. and you should have more life insurance when you're young than when you're old. But that was a big one. And the medical insurance, man, Tricare Prime, Tricare like, we're going to have to do a show on each one of those. And the same with VA claims because I say the VA claim system is a game. Your job is to make sure that you have everything documented and they'll tell you how to document it. But their job is to give you the least amount of money they can. And I hate it. Right. I hate the way it's set up and I hate the way that no one understands you can be missing a leg and get 10%, and then someone who's got knee pain may get 20 I, I know there's a reason for each one. Now, you mentioned the TAPS class, TGPS. What was it called when you transferred out?
2: It was labeled as TAPS, and it was a right. week-long class. It was put in a environment where you got to wear casual dress, and right. you know they tried to make it more like becoming a civilian. And it was right. six months in advance. Now,
1: I don't know about the Coast Guard, but in, in the Navy, you can take it a couple of times. They like for you to take it 18 months out and then again at, you know, a year or six months, depending on your duty station. I took it because I thought I was getting out a long time ago and I took it again and pretty much the same. So,
0: do you think it's beneficial for spouses to go, either one of you? Because since both of you are, are you married, Tony?
2: Uh, I am now, but I wasn't at retirement and hell okay. yes. They did invite spouses, which I saw maybe a couple of people take advantage of. And had I been married, I, without a doubt, because I'm not going to remember that crap. I'm a guy. I'm a (laughs) chief. All I care about is taking care of my people. And most of us military guys are the same kind of dude. We don't go to medical because we got a snotty nose. Unfortunately, with the game that Mike brought up, you have to have all of this stuff documented. And if it's not documented, it's just not going to happen. For you with a BA claims process. So by all means, I would say 100% if you can bring your spouse, bring your spouse because she will retain the information. She will take notes and she will point and shoot when you need to go do something.
0: I'm Period. so glad that you are the one saying that because <laughs> that's how I feel deep in my soul that I need to be the one hearing all this information. because. I'm not the service member, but I feel like I am retiring as well. And so I have these mental checklists in my brain of what I think we should be doing as a couple. You know, he's got his own issues with work that he's dealing with. And then also he's trying to finish his degree within the last six months that we have And I just feel like uh, both our heads are spinning and I can't do a lot of the stuff that he needs to do, but I need to know what he needs to do so I can keep track so things don't get lost. On
2: top of the added benefit of you getting some experience on how to write your own resume, because that stuff was in there and that can be beneficial for the spouse as well.
1: And if your household runs like most, and it sounds like Tony's runs like mine, my wife's taken care of a lot of things over the years. Insurance, taking the kids to the doctor, that used to be all her. And now that I'm on the other side and, and she's working really full time and I'm doing all that stuff. You know, I had to go at TAPS. I may not have paid attention as much as I should have because I figured out oh, Regina's got this. But uh, no, nope, <laughs> right,
2: that's all me. Uh, so
1: I've had to do some research. That's an
2: excellent point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. right? we, we just assume the wife's going to know. I do want to get back to Tony because you wanted to stay in the local area. And I want people to know that that's a challenge sometimes, but it's a choice, right? That's a personal choice. And when you transitioned out, you wanted to stay here and to be close to family, which for me, that's the most important thing. For some people, they chase money and they want to go to DC. But tell us about getting out and what geographically constrain yourself.
2: For me, it was about my situation at retirement was divorce. And I could have stayed in and put on the star above my anchor and taken another job, but it wouldn't have been anywhere near here. And the whole point of me retiring was I wanted to be around my kids. I want to see them finish school. I didn't want to be in that predicament of being away because I had already done that in the past. And was doing that my entire career. I wasn't home a lot. The part about staying geographic, staying local, it does constrain you tremendously because, you know, a lot of us are like, oh man, I need to get on USA jobs and I'm going to find me a good civil service job. That's like the dream of over 50% of people military that retires. Well, when you constrain yourself to a geographic location unless you're willing to commute and drive an hour and a half to two hours every morning to go to work, you really reduce your potential. So it's really all about, is your family the adventurous family and you guys are still down with moving all over the place? Then you're golden because USJ Jobs is absolutely chock full of a plethora of different job types all over the country and you can move wherever you want to go. But staying local, you kind of reduce the pool of available jobs that might match at least partially to some sort of experience that you have.
1: Right. And if If you're lucky enough for us, we're in a kind of a military town, uh, you know, Pensacola over there and Mobile's got some government jobs, you know, fully not so much. But there's a lot of places in middle America that they don't know anything about the military. And and these young people want to go back home. You know, like you said, they think they're going to walk into this great job. And again, that's a whole nother show.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like my husband and I have been. Where like institutionalized with the notion that he's got this great job in the Navy and he's getting set up so well for when he gets out and he's going to have civilian jobs thrown at his feet because he's so worthy. And I feel like that is a total thing of the past and no one gives a crap. And when you get out, it's like every man for himself and it doesn't matter that you just spent 20 years in the Navy doing whatever job, like get in line like everybody else trying to find a job. We had a hard time when my husband was trying to decide whether he should finish his degree or not. I was all for it because I said, hey, man, you've done 20 years of service. They're giving you an education on their dime. Do it. Why not? There's a lot of kids in this country that can't go to college because they can't afford it, and you're getting this education for the time you put in with the service, so you should get it. For a while, his opinion was, it doesn't really matter if I have the degree or not because I did 20 years in the Navy, and I'm like, so what? Right. you know like <laughs> so that i feel like is a huge hurdle to jump
1: tony when you did transition out what about your kids how much different was it for your children
2: my kids they actually showed some emotion uh, for me on my behalf which was really heartwarming you know but they at the same time were you know, we went through at least a month of, oh, that's right, you're home, so you can go to my <laughs> ball game, or, Aww. you know, whatever. So there was a lot of excitement when it came to that. Obviously, with my particular situation, you know, I got to see them a lot more often now that I was retired and home every day versus the schedule that I had while I was active duty on the ship and taking off a week or two a month. There was really a complete pile of excitement. I don't think that they had any weird feelings about not moving anymore because the fact that If they did move from place to place and had to make new friends and culturize themselves with a new local area, I think was an extreme benefit to them and their social capabilities. There was no effect in that at all by not moving anymore. They were happy with where we were.
0: So how long did you have in between your Coast Guard career and then your new civilian career?
2: I did like a lot of folks do probably near their last year. (laughs) Uh, You know, because you can only carry over so many days and, and most of us try to stack up as much as we can. Uh, It was a little bit harder for me because I was in a command position and I couldn't leave my exo seat until I was properly relieved. I couldn't do the whole like 90 day thing like a lot of folks try to do. I was able to do 60. So I had 60 days of terminal leave, which to me was the perfect amount. Most of us dream about I'm retired and I'm going to go play golf every day for the first couple of months and then I'm going to worry about getting a job. Well, I don't think so, pal, because most of us have the same concern. I know my paycheck's going to end. What am I going to do? And you got to start job hunting sooner than later. Well, I was fortunate enough. I did a couple of large interviews with General Dynamics and really big companies over there at Austin. They didn't pan out. They were like, yo, you're second in line. Well, it's because they hired from within. I said, you know what? I looked at my financial situation. I said, man, I think I'm just going to go do something different. So I was able to locate a job blocks from my house doing something entirely different than I'd ever done before. You know, I started drawing a paycheck from that while I was still earning my active duty salary. So I really didn't have a whole lot of downtime. Maybe I took two or three weeks
0: That sounds like a reasonable amount of time. So, are you still working at your first post military job?
2: No, I actually have bounced through four or five. We can go straight down a rabbit hole if I start talking about the psychological part of retiring from the military. That was a lot of it. Fortunately, I had that little cushion of a retirement check that I could (laughs) afford a week or two in between paychecks, switching jobs. But now I actually did find a second career to say it properly. I didn't want just another of a job and I'm currently working for the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. I am uh, an instructor for their program that teaches our construction guys in the Army how to go over to a place like Iraq and build a board operating base or a base camp. I'm getting a lot of thrill out of Still feeling like I'm a part of making a difference with our military.
1: Well, you know, I, I got to tell you, Tony, that's that's actually normal, right? Depending on what stat you read, uh, the first 18 months you're going to go through three to four jobs because you don't get that dream job first. Or, like you said, there is a psychological effect when you get out, and, and we will talk about that on a, on another episode. I'm like you; we could talk about that one all day. What would be the one piece of advice you think uh, for a transitioning veteran who's you know on the 20-year end, right? Who's been in a while, uh, getting ready to get out?
2: Probably the most important is grasping the ability to take your military experience and turn it into something that a civilian can understand on a resume. To me... That would have been the biggest hurdle. It's like, how do I tell these people that I know how to do this stuff for this job, man? Because I've done it a thousand times. It just wasn't my particular rate or MOS, whatever it's called for your service. Being able to take that and put it in civilian language is extremely difficult. And that's what I would concentrate the majority of my time on.
1: That was even tough on me. And I knew what I was going to be doing when I get out. And I deal with that every day when I look at some of these resumes. A lot of civilians, they just don't understand any of those military terms. We call it military jargon. Here at Skill Mill, I mean, we've been working on that for a while, and I'm glad you brought it up. The reason we started Skill Mill, you know, a long time ago was for those young E-4, E-5 veterans that were getting out who had the skill set, they would go on the outside thinking they were going to get a great job, but, you know, the military is not very good about handing out certificates, right? They give you a school, teach you how to drive a truck, but you may never actually get a CDL. On the outside world, it's not like that. They're like, hey, show me the paperwork or hit the bricks. But, man, we've made a ton of progress over the past two years, but especially over the past six months. I want to get back to you, though. Tell, tell me the coolest thing you've ever done in the Coast Guard.
2: I got a couple of those, and they're short. Probably the most rewarding thing, you know, uh, for me— Coast Guard, you hear that and you say safety of life at sea, rescues at sea. We make movies about it. And I'd have to say across my 21 and a half years, I really only had one that I was directly involved in where I pulled four divers off of their boat 17 miles offshore in five to seven foot. Sea. Their boat was upside down. They were sitting on top of it. And uh, I made it out there in a little 25-foot boat and picked them up and hauled them home and pulling into the state park dock there where it was obviously loaded with news and family. That emotional moment, I was the boat driver. I got to go out there and pull these guys back in and uh, see the joy and the kids and wives and family and stuff on the pier. That probably, to me, rings the, the top as far as the coolest thing I ever did. And the second one is something entirely different on a patrol boat that I was on. I was the, it was my second to last job. I was the XO of a small 87 foot patrol boat out of Gulfport, Mississippi. The Coast Guard and NOAA do a lot of work for each other. And we actually took some NOAA folks on board and they brought some devices on board that were like very tiny data processing submarines. And we launched them off of our boat in the Gulf of Mexico. And their plan was to stay out for approximately like five or 10 years or something and just collect seawater temperatures, current movement, and all of those other things. And that is what has, over the last two to three years, allowed the National Weather Service and NOAA more accurately predicting hurricane paths. So I felt that was like a really big deal because that's a huge problem, obviously, on the Gulf Coast. And I thought that was super cool.
1: That's so, really neat saving uh four lives and then saving who knows countless others I don't think we can beat that one serena. He set the bar pretty high for the next next guy
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's some that's some pretty cool stuff, I would say so do you recommend the coast guard service for any young man or woman that would like to join
2: i'm going to kind of answer that with one broad answer and then. Lightly detailed on the Coast Guard specifically. So broadly speaking, I highly recommend a service tour, no matter the service to any young adult coming out of high school that doesn't know what in the heck they want to do. Number one, you're going to get some college money to do that at the same time you're active duty and you're drawing a paycheck. Number two. A lot of folks still have the mindset of, oh, I want that retirement check. Well, the retirement system has changed a lot with the military. And so now these kids can fire up an IRA or a 401k and put their money in there and take it with them if they only do four years and just keep on piling on. But as far as the Coast Guard goes, I would definitely state in defense of my service (laughs) that it is a service that does more with less. Number one, when you consider our mission, ports and waterway security and search and rescue and law enforcement, it's a huge mission, especially with security now. And you have the ability to do like just a diverse amount of things, which you heard from my two coolest things. I mean, it's like a job. It's not just going out and training for war and coming back home and waiting for something big to happen somewhere else so you can go do your job. It's an everyday job with the Coast Guard. And that's why you might have seen a few years back, you know, the advertisement was jobs that matter. and We all picked on it and thought it was funny, but it's a true statement. It's literally a job. You're going out every day and doing something specific. And a lot of times it's in a different environment with different people. And it's almost like having a a good civil service job where every day something that you do has an effect. That's why I would choose the Coast Guard
0: for sure. That's awesome. It sounds like it was a great opportunity and experience for you. And thank you for your service.
2: Awesome. Thank you. I'd be willing to do it a hundred times more. (laughs) <laughs> well
1: you know i i would too but i gotta tell you uh, at the beginning you talked about people that did over 30 years not living long so i'm not sure i want to talk to you anymore
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey those were the stats that uh, we had to listen to when we went when i went to the uh, academy so
1: i know yeah. i know you know one of us is turning 50 uh, this uh, in a few weeks here and, and did 31 years so uh, we'll see i do appreciate you coming on it's been a great great interview and uh, i appreciate your time and like Serena said, thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you've done for this country. I appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. So thanks, Tony. No sweat, Mike. All right, Serena. So any points he made that you're feeling right now?
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, in his opinion, the three major issues that he needed help with were TRICARE and the VGLI and VA claims. And you know, I can help Brandon as much as I can with the VGLI and TRICARE. But when it comes to the VA stuff, I really can't do any of that. It's not me or my body. So you- oh.
1: What say you, Mike? <laughs> oh my, the VA—I'll call it magic. I'm not sure what they do over there or how they get their numbers, and that's what I, you know, I told Tony too. But I gave the VA pretty high props in the beginning when I, you know, transitioned out, and that's going to be a whole nother show. But lately, the VA has uh, taken a nosedive, so we're going to talk about that on a different show, Serena. So tell Brandon, good luck with the VA.
0: Yeah, I think he's got, a, he's got one appointment left and he got one little piece of advice, which kind of made me laugh. And they just said, you're not Superman. You're not the Incredible Hulk. Right. Tell us what's wrong. It's okay. You don't have to act like you're invincible. And I'm like, duh, babe, you're 40 years old. Like you don't have right. to be invincible.
1: Yeah, I'll give him some advice, but not on the air. So tell him to call me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Serena. So, you know, I'm going to ask you what you're drinking. But before I do that, I just want the listeners to know something. No one's paying <laughs> us to drink any of this. All right. We sponsor the show. Uh, this is ours. So when you hear us talking about these products, uh, know that it's just me and Serena telling you what but we like. But if
0: anybody wants to sponsor us, let us
1: know. Oh, yeah, that's true. We'll take <laughs> uh, And we like bourbon and Serena <laughs> likes wine. So we're looking for your sponsors. But anyway, hey, Serena, what, what about you this week? What would you try?
0: Fun. Fun fact, we bought a Drinkworks machine, which is made by Keurig, and it is an alcohol pod drink machine. No way. Yes way. It is so cool.
1: You put alcohol and pods in there and it mixes everything up for you?
0: You buy the pods by Keurig. Actually, it's called Drinkworks. Once again, not sponsored, would love to be sponsored. And <laughs> you put these little drink pods. They look like the coffee pods, but they're bigger and they're just filled with alcohol and whatever flavor. And there's hundreds of flavors to choose from. Oh God! And you just put it in this little machine and it makes you either a carbonated drink or a cold drink. We haven't seen any that are warm yet. So Brandon's been drinking like we got some old fashioned pods and I got some margarita pods and I got some uh, white (laughs) Russian pods. pods. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. And it's so fun and it's good because the problem we were having is he likes bourbons and brown drinks and I like vodkas and gins and clear tequila. So right. we were having all these alcohols sitting in the house, bottles, and then we have to move and then you can't take them with you. And so we thought this would be such a cool thing and happy birthday to both of us. And we got one and it's so fun.
1: Happy birthday. And I don't know how much it costs. I'll ask you later, but it sounds expensive. <laughs> uh, don't let my wife know that you got one.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, what are you drinking? You know,
1: I I stayed away from beer this week. I was like, you know, I go on this bourbon kick. It was a Woodford Reserve week for me. Uh, The old go-to. I mean, it's just good, right?
0: Do you like the rye version or just the regular? I do
1: like the rye version as well. You know, you said old fashioned. I've just never been one to mix my bourbon with anything but ice. You know, back when I was younger, of course, you know, you put some coke in there. You know, that's got me curious now. That Keurig thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna
0: have to call me off air, and I'll have to show you how it works. It's (laughs) so cool. (laughs) It's fun.
1: Well, we'll have to talk about again and let our listeners know how it works too so yeah, all right totally. well hopefully you know serena don't buy too many pods this week okay
0: <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of diapers and deployments brought to you by skill mill
1: go to skillmill.com to check out our blog and create an account you can also find us on social media let us help you find your next career
0: don't forget that skill with two l's and mill with one
1: until next time
2: ciao